Princess. Blog Talk yes. Radio. Can you hear me? Yes, I it's do. It's already done. It's the Pressure Points Unpacked Podcast with host Tyra Little. We're live Tuesdays at 6 p.m. Eastern Time. This show deals with personal and community issues by getting to the root cause and causes on an open and raw level. We're unpacking emotional, spiritual, mental, and physical topics that influence and often control us. Get ready to unload, examine, and process. Let's get unpacked on Never Handed So Good Sports Media Network, Tuesdays at 6 p.m. Eastern Time. Well, hello, and welcome to Pressure Points Unpacked Podcast. I'm your host, Tyra Little, and today I have with me Councilwoman Tina Herbert. Tina, I thank you so much for coming on, for not finding it robbery. Um, I know you have some personal things that are going on right now, and I appreciate you taking the time just to press through and to still come on. And I just wanted to say to you again, my condolences. Oh, thank you. And, you know, um, my grandmama is always talking about pressing on and pressing forward. Um, and so there's work to be done. Um, and we just keep keep going forward. That's good stuff. So, well, we interviewed you um, during the time that you were running for the campaign, and you won. And so now we're here, you in the seat as a councilwoman as well as you're an attorney. So I know your days are pretty power packed. So I want you to kind of let the listeners hear how how how's it going as as a council as the councilwoman. Um so this has been a very interesting transition. Um I will you know I was somewhat familiar with city in okay. the city of Columbia right. because I worked for the city for 7 years. Um, but we brought on um, four new council people. Is it four? Three new people and a new mayor. Right. Um, and that's a lot of change at Absolutely. one time. Absolutely. Um, and I did not um, appreciate the amount of change that mm-hmm. it would be. Mm-hmm. Um, and while we are nonpartisan, okay, right. mm-hmm. um, you can clearly tell um, you know, where different folks um thought processes and allegiances are. Um and this is, you know, honestly the first time in maybe I think over thirty something years that we have had a Republican mayor. Um and we can tell the difference. Um and it has been very interesting. Um so, um, and, you know, we agree on a lot of things, but mm-hmm. then we don't agree. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, and I anticipated that. I think when I did my, um, my when we got sworn in, my, I said, I anticipate we're going to have a lot of, you know, debates. Okay. I mean, I think that that's true. Probably 70%, 70, 80% of things, you know, are very simple and we agree on. Mm-hmm. But those that 20%, oh, boy, we, we have great discussions. So, um, it's it's been very interesting learning that new dynamic, mm-hmm. um, and um, I think we're in a much better place now than we were six months ago. 
um, because now we all we know you know who who has different priorities, what's important to certain folks. I know you know I know it resonates with this person and right. that person, and so um, so it's a lot better now. Mm-hmm. Um, but in the very beginning, it, it was quite different than what I was used to as you know as far as the city is concerned and how it's run. Yeah, I mean because your role in the city was different. I mean, you were right. over the Office of Business Opportunity. Um, but now as a councilwoman, I mean, we would expect it to totally be different. But then also, we know that debating is is a healthy thing. And I'm, I'm sure that, that should be one of your strong points, because you're an attorney as well. Um, not saying that it wouldn't right. bring you some opposing differences. Um, because man, I can only imagine like the onboarding process, because you're talking about even though the mayor was a part of city council prior, but now he's sitting in the office, the seat of mayor, and now you bring in three people who have never been on city council. Right. right. So um, I can only imagine what your onboarding looked like. Yeah, and it was different because you, some people know and some folks don't, but I only came to the city because I practiced law with Mayor Benjamin. Okay. And so – while I was over the OBO office, I was really involved in the mayor's office too. So I, you know, okay. I, I knew the political dynamics the entire time because mm-hmm. honestly, I would not have been there. Mm-hmm. Um, we both practiced law together for six, I think, six years before he ran, mm-hmm. and so I came to help out. Um, so you know, I, I was, I'm, I'm used to being in a lot of the settings right. and, and hearing the discussions and. Right. Um, our discussions are a little different now, mm-hmm. um, but I think today we had a we had a rough meeting. Um, but I like the way you know. Toward by the end of the day, it just all worked out. You right. know, it all worked right. out. So. I mean, and, and that's what it's that's truly what it's about. I mean, right. to sit with a group of people and everybody always agree that's a problem. That that's a problem. Oh, yeah, yeah, um, You should always be able to have healthy debatable discussions so you can see it from all sides and spectrums because each of you guys, even though you all represent the city of Columbia, but you represent different pockets of the city. And so the whole city doesn't agree. So we would expect you guys not to always agree. Right. And I think that, you know, it's always important to have a diversity of opinions mm-hmm. so that you can come out with the best solution. Absolutely. Um, and so it's been, it's just been very interesting. Um, at the beginning of the year, I don't mind saying it, I never had anyone try to suppress my voice, mm-hmm. um, but a couple of people tried. And I, I you know, and, and people look, and I'm not saying anything that you couldn't watch, you know, and see. Right, right. Um, and that took some adjustment mm-hmm. for me. It took me having some conversations, you know, with my mm-hmm. fellow council people to mm-hmm. say, well, now this is, this is what's right and this is what's mm-hmm. wrong. And, and I think we'll do a whole lot better. We'll mm-hmm. get a whole lot further, you know, if we, if we handle ourselves a different right. way. Um, so we've had to have a lot of those conversations Um What's good you went that way because you're segueing into some of the questions. Okay, good. So um, one of one of the questions is, um, what exactly? Because you represent District One, right? And so, what exactly are your intentions with the community as far as helping the community grow, as well as education? Well, now when you say education, do you mean 
schooling, or do you mean educating the public on what the city is doing? Well, we can take that from two standpoints, because both, because both, both are important, even though I know that you're not a school board representative, you're not yeah. a commissioner, but the livelihood of the people that live in the district, firstly, it actually affects the children that are going to school. Right. So, um, and that was one of the other questions that I was going to have, but we, we're going to stick with this one first, but they still work hand in hand. Right. So one of the reasons why I ran for city council is because when I worked for the city, um, I did the facade program downtown. And that was a program where we invested $20,000 um, for each building front. I look, and I tell people I didn't even know what a facade was when I got to the city, but I learned. Mm -hmm. um, but we were a part of the whole revitalization of downtown. Okay. We invested $451,000 of CDBG dollars, community development block grant, and we were able to attract $6.1 million in private investment. And my theory, quite frankly, was that if I could help downtown do it, Mm -hmm. then I can do it for my district. And so going back to your first question, um, revitalization in some certain sects um, that we hope that will spur additional um, investment. So, for instance, um, a lot of folks complained about starting downtown or doing Bull Street, but now as we see the years going forward, it is you start in the center and it starts going down the corridors. So one of my primary, primary goals is to help with the revitalization, um, and we will actually be having a seminar. I'm trying to do it in October. Okay. Where we're going to look at, because um, I, I think it's some of the stuff is just stuff that we don't know. Absolutely. Um, and so how we use zoning mm -hmm. to determine what we think is best in different areas and how those decisions are supposed to help us have vibrant communities. Um, and so if I think, but we don't all know, like I may know and the planning department knows, mm -hmm. but I need the residents to know so they can understand why we don't have this particular thing on this particular piece of land mm -hmm. or why we do. And I think when we go through that, they'll kind of know what we're looking for because I can't fill in all the spaces. But I think a lot of our residents kind of have an idea or they know people. So that's one of the things we're going to be doing and really targeting my intent is to really target the corridors because that's the first thing people see. Um, so that's one thing. And in October, hopefully we, no, we're going to do it. We're going to do it in October okay. um, and just kind of help people see what, what the opportunities are. And so they can kind of understand the decisions that are made. Um, the other thing that I want to do, and I'm over the Affordable Housing Task Force. Okay. Um, housing and affordable housing, really housing period, mm -hmm. and housing ownership is very, very critical for District 1 as far as, and the city as well. Mm -hmm. uh, right now, we only have 47% of people in the city who actually own their homes. Um, and affordability is going to become an issue. Now, I, I'm sure you understand it if, if we're talking about affordability, who that's going to impact the most. So, for instance, my house, um, I live off of North Main, right by Columbia College, and a gentleman across the street listed his house for $450,000. That's an affordability issue because I know several people, even on my street, 
including myself, I don't know if I would be willing to spend or can make that move to to buy a house for Mm -hmm. $450,000. So being able to have affordable housing for everybody, Mm -hmm. and sometimes folks think affordable housing is low income. No, no. I literally mean like if I'm making $70,000, can I afford to live in Columbia or am I going to have to move, you know, out to Lexington? But the reason why that's important, with our census data, we lost a lot of people. And we lost black people. Okay. We lost black people in District 1, and we lost black people in District 2. And if those trends continue, and that goes to the school question, okay, mm-hmm. um, if those trends continue, I can pretty much guarantee that we won't have any black people on council in 10 years. That's how critical it is. If we don't, so one of the things the city is doing is a lot of, we're getting rid of a lot of the um, abandoned homes and boarded up homes so we can fill them in. But the goal is, like, literally to fill them in with single-family homes Mm -hmm. so that we can get some homeowners um, back in those spaces. Um, But, of course, you know, I represent the entire district, but, um, it, you know, I do have um, a desire to make sure that we keep our diversity in the city. So um, I don't have any problem saying that I want to make sure that we're able to keep black people in the city limits. Mm-hmm. Um, and so housing is going to be very key to that. And housing, I'll, I'll, my classmates, they can't afford $450,000 homes. I mean, mm-hmm. I just, oh, because we went to Keenan, you know, mm-hmm. and I could, I mean, I could count how many of my classmates um, can really get $450,000 homes. So that's the thing. And as we increase those numbers, we become competitive for the retail we're looking for. Right now, you know, we don't have the, the heads that we need to be more competitive for chain grocery stores or national or regional. Mm-hmm. And so a part of the bigger strategy, and it'll take some time, but it's really to get more people here in the district who live here and spend money here so that when national chains are looking for where to go next mm-hmm. um, and you know, is, is this a, because, you know, I'm trying to explain to people, um, all of the grocery stores, they have a business model. They have done this everywhere in America. Absolutely. So, so they know yeah. if we have this and we have that, then we know this works. Um, and so we have to get to the point where we have this and that so that we become competitive. Right. And we're, we're, we're going to further that. We're, we're, we're going to further that. We're going to, we're going to pin that part. So, and I know you were saying like with keeping people in that, deals to speaks to like the education but what are your views or what are your thoughts as far as your intentions for education as far as maybe working with the school board some of the members on um, the commissioners to actually talk with them because um it's huge our, our children our children need need representatives they need people to actually be able to help to represent them and this this is crucial yeah, you know, and I, I guess you probably understand being a Keenan grad. Um, it's been very interesting. Um, and But what I do know is that um, right now, particularly in District 1, average black families who want their kids to go to good schools, Mm-hmm. Whether it is perception or not, I don't, I'm not even. I don't have the ener- you know energy for that debate. Mm-hmm. But they choose, or they feel that they cannot send their kids to Richland One School, and so they choose to buy homes other places 
where they they believe and again I don't take I'm not right. taking but so they buy homes or they move to areas outside of the city mm-hmm. based on the schools that they can go to. So whether it is perception or reality, it has to change. Right. Um, because but we got to deal with the ones that we do have. So being that the people that we do have, because as we know, even in District 1, those schools are still bursting that scene. Um, mm-hmm. so, so we do have a population of children that are in District 1 that right. still need to end. Um, and so we need to talk about what are our, you know, what what are your intentions as far as education? If that looks like maybe getting more involved or making any type of because the the residents are still the residents and it affects. Right. So just wanted just wondering like what, yeah. what were your you know? Well, I look and I'm always real straight up with people. I don't bite off more than I can handle. Mm-hmm. Um, I have more than enough dealing with um, city council. But I do know that we have to, um, I do know that I don't mind saying I'm going to be supporting Ms. Weston. Um, Ms. Weston was my teacher. Um, I highly respect her. Um, And, you know, I'm not going to get into all of the issues, but um, I think that we have to start doing something differently or the perception has to change. And, again, but now it's not my job to to change it. Mm-hmm. Um, I I can't take I can't begin to take on that that um, burden. We're not, and I'm not saying change, right. and I don't even think the the question is suggesting to change. But we do have to do some type of engagement for our residents because those children that are in district that are in mm-hmm. Richland District One are future constituents, oh, and yeah, so yeah. there are different things that we're going to have to make sure um, that is met for them in right. order for them to be able to survive. So let me ask you this question. Mm-hmm. So do you feel that you have taken the time to really know the needs of your constituents, to know what what people really need? Because um, just as you say, you know, you want to have this meeting in October to discuss some of the different things and explain to people why decisions are made. But when your constituents vote you in, we vote you in hoping that you hear us and that you are able to speak to our needs versus right. people making decisions for us and not considering how the residents really would feel about that because we, we vote you guys in to be our, to be our voice. But, that, but that's the whole point of, of what I'm doing in October because um, because what I heard from folks is they don't understand why. They don't understand why. They don't understand why. And there is a very foundational discussion that has to be had mm-hmm. so that folks understand how and why development happens. I mean, that's just, uh, and it, it doesn't matter specifically what anyone wants, but there's like ground level conversation so that folks, and every time I go through the discussion, they're like, oh, okay. And then we go with, so now that we all know the same thing and we now we all know what the ground level is, mm-hmm. now we can work together to build up. But there's some, it's very difficult when um, there's some ground rules that everybody doesn't know. And I mean, that's, that is what I took from the campaign was understanding what I may have known because I worked at the city mm-hmm. versus regular. And again, remember I told you I didn't know what a facade was until mm-hmm. I got to the city. Um, I don't think that we've done a good job at educating 
citizens on number one, what we're able to do mm-hmm. and how things are done. And so that is my attempt because a lot of things that folks want us to do, we simply can't. And and I get that to a degree, yeah. um, but I do feel like the city has failed at educating their constituents, their residents of, um, and I will say, I can only speak to the area that I'm in, right. but as far as informing them as to what's going on, there's people who don't really understand that, hey, when you see this zoning sign and it's colored this or that, or I don't even know if they, they have changed it, but, you know, they, it has this color, that color, this is what it means. This is what's getting ready to happen. If we see a zoning sign and a rezoning sign, then, hey, we need to start sounding the alarm so that now the community knows we need to make phone calls and we need to be at that meeting so that we are able to be represented. But that's but but what you're saying is exactly what I'm saying. Like I know, we, I we don't yeah, we right. like we don't know when things are happening how we can be proactive, knowing the process, when to show up, when it's too late. And so to me, I think especially when it comes to developing property, that's an area that we just need to have a, and I, it may end up being a series because it's it's a lot of steps to it. But I just kind of feel like we have not done a good job at putting it in layman's terms of where we need people to be activated at and not because people- I don't even think it's so much as layman's terms, Tina. I think it's so much as helping people to understand that this is a zoning sign and this means that we we actually need to be activated right. and we need to be there um, because different zoning signs mean different things. Right. I mean, if I had never worked at, at the city of Columbia because I once worked there and I worked in zoning, right. that's how I understood right. what the different classifications of zoning right. mean. And so this is something that is that isn't normally just put out here for people. And I really think that there needs to be some type of um, engagement with zoning at the community, at the different community meetings, so that people will understand zoning classifications. I, I don't think that that's, that's, that's hard to do. But yeah, but that's what I'm going to do, because mm-hmm. you have to realize, too, our zoning folks um, are not necessarily community development outreach folks. Mm-hmm. And so people will receive a message differently from different people, if that makes sense. And so that is, we're not saying anything differently. Mm -hmm. Um, I need my community to understand some of the the basic things so that they can know how to be proactive. And I don't care if zoning teaches it or if I do it. Well, they need to, because they do engage the community. Right, but I don't care who does it. It needs Mm -hmm. to be done. Okay, mm-hmm. and I think that I can provide a venue that's going to be a little more. Um, and I, I mean, one of my talents and strengths is, um, and we learned this in law school, everything needs to be on the sixth grade level, everything, because that's how our jury. You know, the jury mm-hmm. is is the sixth grade level, and so zoning will come out and use zoning terms, and it will be above my head. And I do it. I do it in city council all the time. I'm like, I'm sorry, you got to break that down. Mm-hmm. Um, but if no one, especially when people are talking over your head, sometimes it's hard to say, hey, 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 you're talking over my head. Bring it down to layman's terms so I can really understand how to be activated. So 
I I don't care who presents it, but I am taking the initiative to present it along with the staff so that we can make sure that people um, really understand the information. Because, I, I mean, I, that's all I do is watch presentations and say, so what you're saying is, and I know that's not proper English, but so what you're saying is, Mm-hmm. You know, give it to people so they can understand what they need to do. And I think, and I, I agree with you that um, we haven't done that, and so that is a part of my plan. Yeah, that's, that's it's, it's definitely needed um, because I feel like, and not just me, just from having conversations in the community, that so many times 29203 feel like they are overlooked in that, people don't take the time to find out what it is that we want and then advocate on our behalf. Case in point, there's two. Um, Back when they went and did those bicycle lanes, Mm -hmm. no one spoke to anybody. And they didn't even, you know, no one felt the need to talk with the community and say, hey, well, this is what we're doing and this is why. Now, I believe that the bike lanes could have worked had they had not taken up a whole lane. But this is what, and this is what I'll say with that. That wasn't a city of Columbia project. That was DOT, just like DOT was Monticello Road. But well, but, now the city was the one who came in. Teresa, the city manager, said right. that, hey, we didn't, we did not ask y'all. You know what right. I'm saying? So it, it was part of the city too. Oh yeah, and we didn't implement it well. That, I mean, that's that's that is a no-brainer. That's mm-hmm. that is not even debatable. Um, so when they did Monticello, okay, when they were talking about Monticello, I said, I don't want another Farrell Road out here. You know what? What is the plan for engagement? But even with Monticello. That was a DOT project. It wasn't a City of Columbia project. Now, which exactly one are you talking about? So that the they, listeners would know what, what you're So recently, they were resurfacing mm-hmm. um, Monticello Road, and they have different options for what they do when they resurface. And so DOT came and met with the city. They met with the county. Um, they, they said, we're having a public meeting on, I guess, August 2nd. I said, that's National Night Out. You know, but... And they say, yeah, but based on the timeline, you know, this is how it works. And I remember talking to Chris Hart later because he was surprised and didn't know that that this was happening. And I said, now, Chris, when the higher government comes to me, I assume, I mean, just, I mean, and I love Chris. We took the bar together. I said, Chris, I didn't call you because I assumed that you had checked boxes and this was okay with you just to find out the day before. He's like, I didn't know anything about it. Um, and so that's their entity. It happens. Mm-hmm. Um, but we have clearly, and I, and I will tell you that is the issue that we're having with this current council right now mm-hmm. okay? um, is playing with the people, not for the people. Um, uh, yeah. I say it about once. Let me see. We meet, we've been meeting every week this, like this month. I have to say it at least one time every week that we need to plan with people and bring them in and say these are the options. This all is what you know. This is what's out here. This is what we can't do nothing about. We're gonna need public, you know, Mm -hmm. private sector to come in. Mm -hmm. But um, we have we have to be careful, um, and that might be one of the differences with with this new council. Um, But we definitely have to plan with people, not for people. 
And you know what is good? I'm, it's so funny because your responses are actually rolling right into it. So here's the question that I received today. This is so funny because it's rolling right into right, it. Right. So one of one of your constituents asked, they said, are you willing to sign a memorandum of understanding that the community puts one together and they're telling you these are the things that, you know, they want to see or they explain it to you. Are you willing to sign um, a memorandum? No, not without seeing what's, first of all, you got to remember I'm a lawyer, so I'm not willing to sign nothing um, until I have read through it. And mm-hmm. again, the other thing that we have to, a part of the discussion a lot of times is, is it something that the city is able to do? Mm-hmm. I will never commit. Um, I think a lot of people in this last, was it eight months? A lot of people have been upset with me mm-hmm. because I haven't committed to certain things. Mm-hmm. And so they have gone different ways trying to get it done just to find out it couldn't get done. I said, yeah, that's why I couldn't commit. I mean, I'm not going to, I will only commit if I think I can get it done. And it's not just me. I have to have four votes. And I think a lot of times folks, even though I'm a district representative, if I'm trying to get anything done that's worth something, i.e. worth over $50,000, mm-hmm. you know, because anything less than that ain't really doing nothing, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I have to not just, it's not just about me, it's about having the support of three other council people who are able to come along with me on it. And so I will not, have not committed to anything unless I know I have my four votes. When I first started with the city, they said, you can do anything you want to do if you have four votes. Um, and we have seen a lot of people commit to things and then try to figure out how to get the four votes. Sometimes it works out, sometimes it doesn't. Um, but I, I don't make promises very likely. So mm-hmm. unless I have the plan and I have the support, mm-hmm. um, then I don't commit to it. So the answer to that is probably a no. But if I see it, um, you know, what the issues are, mm-hmm. then I don't have any problems going through that and really having a discussion about, okay, this is what we can do, this is what we can't do. Um, because one thing I I do know, and I don't know all of it, I don't want to try and sound like I know all of it, but there are some things that, you know, we just, today we discussed the Office of Gun Violence Prevention. Yeah, I was, I was coming to that. And I just told the mayor, you know, he had about 27 things he wanted to accomplish and, um, you know, my position on that, you know, we really need to hone in on what we really think we can impact and what we really think we can do within a certain amount of time. Mm-hmm. I don't want us putting ourselves out like we are about to solve gun violence because right. if we don't, you know what, folks, but I thought y'all said y'all were going to, you know. So we have to be very, um, find the specific things that we can do, mm-hmm. that we can impact, and then do them well. Um, and that po- folks are going to see that's always going to be my strategy because if it's way if you try to do 27 things, mm-hmm. it's, it's going to be hard to get 27 things done. Um, and you're making commitments to 27 right. different groups of people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So then, what what is the since you opened up with the gun violence piece? What is your position on gun violence? Let's hear it. Oh, just on gun violence. Not yeah, on let's gun violence on, on a gun on on the actual ordinance which you guys are getting ready to do. What 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 the meeting was about today? We want to know what your yeah. stance is. Um, what's your position? Well, I I definitely support an office of gun violence prevention mm-hmm. because I'm the one that suggested it. Um, I don't. Yeah, no, I can't help but tell the truth. Um, and so, um, however, as I expressed today. 
the way that it has been developed um, is not necessarily what I envision. Okay. Um, and so the research that I'd done previously showed where the office had nothing to do with the police at all. And it really was dealing with engaging youth and young adults with positive activities because it's, it's not, a, it's, there's no emphasis on criminal life. It's an emphasis on building, um, creating opportunities for kids so that all of these other activities that they find themselves in, they no longer have that opportunity. Um, okay. So you, you, have, you, have, you have plenty of programs that are all about the police. Mm-hmm. But what I really liked about some of the ones that I read is that, no, this is something totally different. So we're looking at what kind of after-school programs do we have, and do we have 80% of our kids who are actually in some type of program during the summertime? Do we have do we have jobs for our kids? Because you know, if if they had if we had a job for 80% of the kids who are over 13, that's less time for them to just find you know find mm-hmm. trouble. Um, so that is that was the vision I had. Um, The mayor has suggested something different, Um, and I think today what we agreed to do was discuss it further. Um, Some of the concerns that I did have regarding partnerships, those worked themselves out. It was very interesting, Um, and and I kind of joked with one of my fellow council members and said, see, you know, things will work themselves out. Um, So one, one of the bigger concerns that I had actually worked itself out and no longer was an issue. So at this point, we're trying to figure out, um, at least I would want to narrow some of the things that we're trying to do. So, for instance, one council person said, are we going to talk about making, um, you know, only having cash bail? And then I decided, you know, uh, well, y'all know me. I almost said I don't want the office no more. <laughs> you don't go that far. But when you have seven people who have input into the office, it starts looking, you know, a little different. So um, I am, we need the office, okay? Mm -hmm. And it does a couple of things. It also allows us to get more funding in. Um, The other question that I raised today is, you know, we have a lot of grassroots groups who are already doing work in the community. Absolutely. And already having an impact on the few folks that they're, you know, able to serve. And so do we need to create a whole robust department that's going to figure out what to do over the next year, or do we need to start investing in some of these groups that are already doing the work, already have the relationships? Um, And that's that's really what needs to happen, because one of the conversations that I had with the mayor um, when, when we just talked last week was that we need to figure out a better way of knowing what we have in the community. So we need to know the different community organizations so that now we can filter this here, filter this there, because if you already have somebody that's working as the expertise in that particular area, it's working, allow it to continue to work, but now help support it. And so this way, you don't have people trying to reinvent the wheel. We can all work together with what we already have those organizations can get the proper funding that they need so that they're able to keep their doors open to continue to do what they're doing to help our children. Yeah, that, that was that was probably my biggest contention with the, the, the budget and some budget showed eight hundred, some of them showed eight hundred and ninety thousand. I thought I just said that's a lot of money just to put into people. Right. Um I I, I mean one of my suggestions today was do you mind giving up some of that money to fund some of the organizations that have come to us who are working specifically on 
um, programs that help reduce violence. You know, right. because, you know, some of our smaller organizations, $50,000 would be a world of difference. Some of them, you know, are asking right. for a whole lot more. Um, I don't know if we necessarily need to put that into a staff person. Um, I don't I don't know the value add with that. And mm-hmm. so that, that was one of the proposals. We're, we're still debating that today. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that we have to, I would rather um, us put resources into established. And so, you know, some of them say they're established, some of them aren't. But, mm-hmm. you know, many of them can show these are the lives that we have impacted. You know, right. these are the folks that we have helped by doing this. We have a curriculum. I think we need to invest in those groups. Well, that and as long as the people have, if you guys list out exactly what you're looking from for, from those organizations, because you may have some organizations that may not have every step of what you need, but if it's listed what you need and they are already being effective, mm-hmm. hey, why not invest in them? But let them know exactly this is what, what a checklist, this is what you need to have, this is right. this, so they can get those things in place because just because they don't have it don't mean that they're not an asset to the community. Absolutely. So one of the other things, because as you brought up that there were a lot of people that were upset, um, one of the hot topics that I know you knew that we were going to get to at some point today um, is the other, that Mason Road, that 288 apartments that is coming. So one of the questions that, um, that someone asked was, and I know that you worked in the city at, at the capacity with the OVO, but um, as you also said, you came you came over to help you work with, with the previous mayor, Benjamin, at the time. Were you aware about them annexing the property into the city? I know you weren't on council at that time when that was done because that was a unanimous vote. But were you aware of the plans um, prior to when, when you were running for for this particular office? So I was aware of the plans back in 2017 because I was still at the city. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to say, but that was when it was under prior ownership. Mm-hmm. Um, went to several meetings. Um, North 21 um, was adamantly opposed because they've never been a part of the city and they don't want to be a part of the city. Mm-hmm. Um, and at the time, their biggest concern was that their property taxes would go up. And so I then left the city because I literally, this all this stuff, I want to say we did, they did a thing in Greenview Plaza probably September, October, because my last month at the city, I think was September. So, like, it was really on my way out. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't monitor it because I didn't, I didn't have the capacity to monitor what was going on. The first time I looked back up, was when I was campaigning mm-hmm. and I started paying attention to the city council's agendas. And I remember the day that I saw it, um, that it was up and I was like, they got that through. And that, that was literally my thought, like, okay, well, they got that through. And it was unanimous vote. Um, I didn't know the details of the project then, but once I did win, Anthony Lawrence asked to have a meeting with me um, that was like one of the last things Mr. Davis wanted to do before he finished. So I guess we met, um, Anthony wanted to explain to me what the project was and we probably met in December or January. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
So that that is the extent of what I knew. And of course, by then it had already been approved. I was surprised that it was approved, but I mean, I was also glad that it's approved because we need a lot more heads in our district. Well, you know what? We need more heads, but we need more home ownership, and we need it to be mixed use. Um, but there are plenty of – but so here's the thing. You're correct, but we need all of it. Well, we may need all of it, but here's yeah. the thing. In the 29203, when you look at online and you look at what they talk about, the low-income, the affordable housing, you have, like – 11 different properties that are in the 29203. Now, here's the thing. Everyone needs a place to stay, and everyone deserves a place to stay. Everyone deserves housing. But, you know, we hear the slogan of stated, oh, yeah, everybody knows they need it, but not in their backyard. But I don't believe that you should overpopulate a backyard either. When you look across the city, it needs to be spread out amongst the city. It does not need to be that everything is in 29203 because that's not – because it's not – wait a minute. But it's not. But you have the, the, bulk, the bulk of it. Right. When it comes to that, it's in the 29203. Hold mm-hmm. on, hold on, hold okay. on. And so as we know, when you have that, even when you're looking at people doing car insurance, when they're getting insurances for different things, it's higher – because of the statistics of what you have. And so when we talk about the corridor and coming into the city of Columbia and growing a community or a neighborhood, it would be lovely because I know what you were talking about back in 2017 when it was under previous ownership, when we were talking about with the funeral home, what what are the things they wanted to do? Because they knew that this was an aging community that this set in. So being that it's an aging community, they talked about putting things there that was going to help to benefit seniors. And so um, I know that from listening to different people in the community and even for my own self, I feel like if you're coming off of I-20 and this is a gateway coming in, how lovely would it be to have some restaurants over there, to have something that's going to bring revenue into the community versus putting 288 low-income properties over there. And here's the thing. We know that there we know, low income. Um, well, from, from everything that I have seen, and when they go about measuring the amount of money that, that everybody has to make, that equates to low income. So my thing is this. If they're going to do it, why not make it mixed use? You know, I mean, we already know at this point now it's 288 units. And so they're coming. We know that they went in during, it was during the COVID time when they put that zoning, whatever information up, mm-hmm. and they asked for an exception on the height so that they could do the three floors or whatever. During that time, people weren't really out. And I feel like we were duped on that. The community, a lot of people did not see that. People weren't really out the way that you normally are. And I feel like they pulled, they, 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 they stuck it in under the rug on us. And I think that's where you have a lot of argument there because, you know, people will feel better if knowing that, hey, okay, they talked with us about this. Now we know what's going on. Because initially when people did, some of the people that did agree, we know North, 20, North 21 Terrace was not happy with, with the um, is it Mr. from the funeral home? 
They weren't happy with, with the views. Um, so, but he, you know, the ideas were totally different. So you had people that were on board, but nobody was ever on board with 288. Well, so, so a couple of things, because um, there's a lot to unwrap there. Number one, um, you won't get those commercial restaurants. You won't get them until you get the infill with people. They're just not coming. I mean, mm-hmm. like, seriously, they're not coming. Mm-hmm. So when people have private property and they, you know, developers come up with ideas, um, they go and find financing. It's just like when we buy a house. You know, you got to get loans, and evidently they use state housing dollars. Um, with respect to that state housing, I think they do 60% of AMI. Mm-hmm. And if I remember correctly, I think it's up to is it up to sixty thousand dollars? The the income will be, and I had to pull those numbers. I don't have those exact no, ones. So by the time you look at what they did and with that, with the income, the income is like twenty twenty thousand dollars. It's it's like twenty twenty something thousand dollars. Um, don't give me the I, I don't have the exact number yeah, in I front do, of me, yeah, I but I do know that. Um, that it is actually low income. It is. It is not. It, it is low income. And so, so let's unwrap the low income issue. There are some people at the city of Columbia who could qualify. And so, because I have employees literally at the entity that that I'm associated with, mm-hmm. um, I need them, and truly would prefer for them to be able to live in the city limits and be able to get to work because. Um, the cost of having to travel from outside of the city or, you know, further out, that's, you know, time is money. Mm-hmm. And so I do believe that people who work in the city should be able to live in the city. I also think that people who serve us every day, and I, I say that mm-hmm. um, as nicely as possible, but, you know, everyone is not making fifty, sixty, seventy thousand dollars $70,000, okay? But you have hardworking people mm-hmm. who are making $20,000 a year. And I don't believe that they should have to, they shouldn't be able to find a place to stay in the city limits. I mean, I'm never going to do that. I'm never, never even going to buy into that. I will say with respect to the mixed use, that is something, it's called inclusionary housing, that we are trying to take up with the Affordable Housing Committee. But it has to be done on the state level where any developer, this is, this is what would be ideal. Any developer that comes in will have to allocate 10% of their apartments to affordable housing, you know, or a certain mm-hmm. level. Mm-hmm. That, that is the best thing for us to do. Yeah. However, we can't get the support. And we're, um, Mayor Rickman, that is one thing that he and I somewhat agree on, um, is trying to lobby the state legislature to allow that provision so that we can do that. Because that would change the game up totally. Well, he said here and said last week that he wasn't aware that it was any state funding that had went to that. And we all know that it, that, that's exactly what happened. We all also know that it was on the news. There's applications that are being submitted. Now, here's the thing. You made a very valid point. Yes, you should be able to live in the city, but why not go right back when they tore down Allen Benedict Court? Why, why could we not rebuild there? So, first of all, you're dealing with two different properties, two different ownerships. So, Allen Benedict Court, that is Columbia Housing Authority, and their own thing. Mm-hmm. Um, Mason Road is a private developer and private property. I am not going to make a job of going and telling Mason Road what they need to do with their property and going into Columbia Housing. Columbia Housing has their their plan to refill 
all of the positions, all the not positions, but all the people who have left. But that's the job that they're into. I'm just going to tell you, we have put people on their board, mm-hmm. and I am not going to um, dictate how they do their reconstruct. You know how they how they do. Their well, no, and, and I'm not saying that you should dictate to the housing authority, but what I am saying is. Again, we're saying that they need to spread it out amongst the zip codes. So, well, that was, to that so, so that was the area. Now, as far as Mason no, Road, let me go back well, to this. Well, the hold on. Yeah. We're going we to go back to yeah. this. Hand that for a second because you just said something that, that needs to also be addressed. Um, when you said not telling Mason Road as to what, what they need to do, well, they're in the city of Columbia. And they're falling in, they're in the city of Columbia, and that's right. a part of the district that you represent. And the rest of your constituents will be affected by the way that they do this. And so one of the things that we really wanted to do was to be able to have a meeting with that developer and suggest to him, why could he not go with a mixed-use situation? Because here's the thing. That, because it's passed. I mean, like, so he's already been awarded the financing. And I... I guess, and I don't mind telling people, I have to take where we are today mm-hmm. and figure out the plan from today. But you will not find me. I don't have the, my my bandwidth is not enough to rehash old things that have been decided. It just isn't. My bandwidth does include, okay, this is what we have right now and where are we going to do moving forward? Because we got so many issues in District 1 um, I, we used to have a council person, and we have one kind of like that now, but all he had staff doing was looking at historical stuff, historical stuff. You are not – I need to know the whys so I can understand what happened. But outside of that, I have to take where we are today mm-hmm. and make the best of where we are and see how it's going to benefit my district. Just, just plain well, and simple. One, but I, but one I thing for sure, you're going to see, as you know, this is a why as to what other things begin to happen when this right here opens up as to how it's going to trickle into your district because that that right there is going to be a, a problem waiting to be waiting to have. Well, first of all, so look, and so that's never my mentality that something coming is going to be a problem. It's it's not. Um, I, I I can't accept that mentality because then you go in trying to fail. So again, my job is to make sure that it's the most successful project. I have to own it. So and, in order to make it one of your successful projects, then you're going to have to be involved. So that goes back to what you're saying about what Mason wrote. You, you're going to have to be really involved. And so part but, of what but, we're but, saying but with clarify, the community. But clarify involved because the project, I'm not going in and asking them to redesign. I mean, every their plan has been approved. I, and you have to always now, remember. you just said that the plan was approved. Mayor Rickman is telling us that there was no plan that was approved. I, I can't get into just opposing what, what mm-hmm. Daniel says versus, I'm sorry, right. what Mayor Richmond says versus mm-hmm. what I can say. But I'm pretty sure y'all have pulled up the minutes that show um, with that it was approved and what was submitted to get approved. So, again, that's, well, that's like one of those things I can't, I can't debate what's really on paper. But I want to go back to spreading it out mm-hmm. because um, Benton Crossing is another state housing project. Um, and I don't want to say project like it's a project, but it's an apartment okay, complex. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, that is being done in Elmwood Park. Benton, what is it? Benton Crossing. Okay. Um, using the same the same type of funding. Okay. Mm-hmm. And that's in is Elmwood. the model the same? What do you mean the model? The model of it, like the three 
three stories. No, they're different developers. Yeah, so different. So the thing with financing is the developers come in, they look at the amount of land that they have. They look at what, you know, what they can fit on it and then how much money they can get. So each, all of them are generally different because the pieces of property are different. Mm -hmm. Now, do you think that that community wanted um, their state housing program there? Um, they were very careful. And I will say this what kind of. What was the code? 29201. 201? Yeah. Okay. Um, and then we also, just as a side note, and we're also doing one on um, Full Street. Full Street is, is having one because we are spreading these around because I, I don't think people really appreciate how much we really do need. Uh, housing in Columbia is going to be unaffordable to just regular old folks. Um, and that's going to hit black folks the hardest. I mean, it just is what it is. It will hit us the hardest. Um, and so I want to make sure that we're still here. So we are spreading it out. Um, and then, but I will say this is the difference between, um, and this kind of goes back to the education that we were talking about. Mm -hmm. um, that neighborhood president um, invited the developers in, or that think as soon as the developers made contact, because they do have to make contact. And the developers made contact with our folks because in the minutes that I read, um, North 21 was represented and Greenview was represented in the meeting. So they made contact. Like, I don't think they just showed up because out of osmosis. It's, it's a lot more neighborhoods in there that were not contacted because I know um, our neighborhood was not contacted. Right, and, and, and so I'm not debating that, but what right. I am saying I'm not is, debating it yeah. either. I'm just saying. Yeah, you know. but, they, but to say that, that no one knew or, or that it wasn't outreach, um, it can't be done without them being included. But um, I will say the approach was, was different. I mean, during the campaign season, they invited me to Zoom with the developer, and they were able to negotiate because they did it all before it hit the agenda. Do you see them? Like, right. So they, one issue was, you know, um, and the developer actually did more. So they wanted a six, I think they were going to do a six feet wall, and they asked, can you do eight feet? Because their issue was that it's right next to a house, like right next to a house. And then um, they asked to negotiate um, the entrance, which one is going to be the main entrance. So they, they they went through the process, and when they asked me, I said, I mean, I think you have negotiated and as much as you can, you know what I'm saying, to get right. what you want out of it. That, to me, is, is what our community has to do better at when given the opportunity. But I honestly think we don't know what to do. I mean, just, you know, mm -hmm. just being honest. So that kind of goes back to the education of showing this is what they did, this is what we all need, this is what we, uh, this is what we all need to do. When um, you know what I'm saying, but I mean, right. to me, that's a part of the education of it. Yeah. it. It's just, it's just unfortunate. Um, and I mean, we, we we're realists at this point that we understand, but it would be good if there was a way that they could do mixed use. But um, I really wonder who all does the onus fall on when something like that happens? Because if the developer reached out and it was only to two communities, I mean, well, first, first. I can't say that they only reached out to two. I think you would have to confirm who they reached out to. Okay. Um, so how can we do that? Um, you could probably call Anthony Lawrence. They usually have a list. I mean, okay. 
I'm not gonna, I, I don't have because I don't know exactly. Right. But when you look at the locales, um, it just seems like those may have been done. However, however, I will say, you know, a lot of times people think Greenview is Greenview. That's you know that's sometimes a mm-hmm. um a, do you see what I'm saying like because that's one thing they really corrected me on during the campaign when I said I grew up in Greenview and I was on Sanford Circle and they were like you on the other side <laughs> so um I mean it it may have been a communication understanding thing um but I can't I can't say who was informed or who right. wasn't informed um and then again for me I don't know what I could do with it you know, do about it at this point anyway. Well, we're definitely going to have to make sure that as we talk, and we'll continue the conversation of talking with the different um, community um, development organizations that we already have in place, that now those dollars need to be pointed towards them to really to help because even with those people being, you know, different people being in, I won't say those people, but people being in that segment of apartments, the goal is to make sure that they become homeowners at some point. So to help them to be able to do that. So to put different programs into places so that we will be able to help educate into indoctrinate them into the community because it's happening. So to immerse them in with knowing that, hey, these, you know, this this is so here's the interesting thing about that. So we are work. We don't have the stop. The city literally does not have the houses available, which is why we're putting the money into um, demolishing all of these empty ones. We we really need the stop for people to be able to buy homes. Mm -hmm. That's number one. The other thing, number two is, I mean, homeowners don't necessarily treat renters, um, you know, they're not very inviting to renters. Sometimes in our neighborhood, you know, I've heard, well, you know, they rent, so they don't. You know, so we, we have to really look at. But renters have to come in understanding that they're in with home ownership, and they have to come in renting, caring about the property, not just but we doing assume, whatever now. Well, yeah, but we assume we have, that we they know that. Yeah. But we, I think that there is an assumption. You but have, that's that homeowner's responsibility to make sure that they yeah. educate their renters to say, exactly. hey, this is what needs to happen, and they need to and they need to make sure that it's cleaned up. Yeah. Tina, it's, it's really a landlord. This has yeah. been a great conversation. We're out of time. Oh, we no. are. I out had a whole lot. I had a whole lot more. <laughs> well, with, with my Keenan, my Keenan, I had a whole lot more to talk about. <laughs> well, we we will have to have you back so that we can further the discussion because in order to, um, as I always say, in order to have the change, in order to, um, to continue the discussion to make our communities better, we have to hold the, the officials that we elect accountable, as well as see what it is that we can help you do. Because I don't believe in, um, even if you vote for the person or you didn't, whoever is in, it's now time to get to work. And so we have to work with them. And so in order to do that, we have to find out what is it that we can do to help you better do your job. And so I will pose that question to you, but we're going to have to wrap it up quickly. And it's very quick. Honestly, if you see something, let me know. If mm-hmm. something looks suspicious, shoot me an email, tina.herbert at columbiasc.gov, um, because it's not possible for me to see all the things that may be mm-hmm. going on. And I'm not saying that I can answer it, but I do want to be aware of things 
and then see if the city has a role or they need to improve. Mm-hmm. Um, and then every now and again, I do get a positive. We're so glad the city did something. I do like to get those every now and again. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, just making sure that um, I'm aware and email is a whole lot better than calling um, because my voicemails get kind of, they get kind of tangled up. But um, just make sure to keep me, and I will start, like, for instance, once we have this educational session, mm-hmm people will start seeing where they can help out, you know what I'm saying, in, in roles that we need folks in. I mean, and we definitely need to make that happen. Um, yeah. Definitely need to make that happen. Well, Tina, I thank you for taking time out to come on. Um, I had put it out there that people could call in, but, I mean, we've been rolling, so no one has called in, but we've been, I got, you know, some messages, you know, prior to. But, um we're going to have to, we're going to get ready to wrap it up. So I thank you again thank you. for being on. Um, and you've already told the listeners how they could contact you. And so this is, I'm Tyra Little, and this is Pressure Points Unpacked. And we will see you again on next Tuesday. It's already done.